Praise God. Man, thank God for the name of Jesus. You know, the Word of God teaches us and speaks to us about the power that's in that name. Some of you may not understand that, uh, depending on how long you've been in the faith, but the Word of God teaches us about the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous tool and asset that we have as believers uh, because when we pray, we're not just praying in our own strength or our own goodness. The Bible says we can pray in the name of Jesus or another way of saying it is under the authority in the name of Jesus. And um, there's power in that. Amen? Yes. Praise God. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to continue talking this morning about prayer and fasting. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit about Elijah this morning. But I want to begin by asking you a question. <clears throat> if God needed to say something directly to you, could you hear him? Okay, if, if God needed to speak something to you, get a message to you, maybe get a warning to you, maybe get correction to you, maybe get some direction to you about your life or about your family or about your future, if God needed to speak to you, could you hear him? And another question that's similar is, if you needed to speak to God desperately, right, you're in a, in a situation, I'm not just talking about, you, you know, just going through daily life, if you need to contact God and speak to him, do you know how to get in touch with him? Can you speak to him? Can he speak to you? Now, for a lot of believers, they've never had that experience, especially God speaking to them. And so they just give up almost entirely. And they just think, well, I mean, of course I'm going to talk to God, but it's going to be sort of a one-way conversation. I'm going to do a lot of talking, and I'm not really going to hear anything back. And they don't really know how to hear from God. But I'm going to tell you that that's not what we see in Scripture. I mean, and, and you can look in the Old Testament, of course, but even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts in particular, go, go read through the book of Acts and see how many times th this phrase particularly is said, and the Holy Spirit said, or it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. So the relationship that they had with God was one where they could receive instruction, they could receive direction, they could receive information from God. Now, just because you may not know how to do that or you don't have that experience a lot, I, I don't want you to think that that's not possible or that that's not something that you should be expecting to happen in your life because I believe from the Scripture it is. Now, when I say hear from God, I'm not talking about with your physical ear. Yeah, I've, never, I've never heard God speak with my physical ear, and I don't think a lot of the references in Scripture are referring to hearing God with your physical ear. But if you've been around one life for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about spirit, mind, and body. And that man is three parts. We hear God with our spirit. And most of us, that's the part that we're least familiar with. We know all about our body. That's very easy, right? You pinch yourself, you, fit, you get hungry. Your body is you're very good at communicating. Mental, we know maybe a little less, but we know a lot about the mental side, our thoughts and, and all of that. We know the importance. But very few of us are in touch with and understanding our spirit and how that works. But did you know that you are spirit first? God created you as a spirit 
You are a spirit being first. That's the only part of you that's eternal. When your body dies and your brain dies, your spirit is going to still be alive. And your spirit is going to leave your body. And your spirit is going to go into eternity. And that's the part of you that's like God. The word for spirit in Scripture actually is just the word breath. It's, it's, your spirit is literally the breath of God. You remember how he made Adam? It says he breathed into him and he became a life-giving spirit. So your spirit <clears throat> is how you communicate with God. Now, the reason why fasting becomes so important is because what fasting does is it, it flips the script. It flips the table of what we're used to doing. What we're used to is our physical body being loud and clear. When you're hungry, you know it, right? What is that? That is your body speaking to you. It's communicating to you. I'm hungry, feed me. Okay, when you're tired, you know it. Your body is screaming, communicating, I'm tired, I'm grouchy, I'm hungry. Okay, if you have a physical pain in your body, knee, elbow, shoulder, back, I'm not listing all my aches and pain. They just those are just random. Okay, if you if you have those pains in your body, you know it, right? Your body is communicating. And so we're very used to hearing from our body, but what we're not used to hearing from is our spirit. But if you, are, if, if you do hear from your spirit, it might feel like this a little bit. You may feel like, man, I feel disconnected from God. I feel empty. Any of you ever said that? I have everything. I, I should be thankful. I should be grateful. I've got a lot of good things going on in my life, but for some reason I feel empty. I feel like I'm not connecting with God. And then you come in church, and all of a sudden we're worshiping, and you start to, man, you're like, I feel better. And then after service you walk out, and you go, man, I feel, I feel full. I feel energized. There just seemed to be a joy in that place. There seemed to be just life in that place. You don't, maybe not, you don't realize it, but what's happening is your spirit was getting fed. Your spirit was getting full. Your spirit was contacting God. So if what fasting does is it shuts down the flesh and it pushes it down. And at the same time, it pushes up the spirit. And it feeds the spirit. So you, you, you begin to starve and deprive the flesh, not just of food, of a lot of things. You quiet the flesh. You tell the flesh to be quiet. You're always loud. You're always talking. You're always demanding. You're always getting your way. Just be quiet, and I'm going to start listening to something else. I'm putting the, the voice of the flesh down, and I'm going to start tuning in to the voice of my spirit. Okay, that's what fasting does. That's why, we, that's why we, we stop giving the body food or certain types of food because we say you're not going to get the things that you're used to and in place of that I'm going to begin feeding my spirit. And what, you, what will happen is the voice of your flesh will get quieter and quieter and the voice of your spirit will get louder and louder. So when I ask you that question, if, if God needed to say something to you, could you hear him? I think the answer for many is no. I couldn't. I, I don't know how to do that. Well, let's go to 1 Kings. I asked you to turn there. 1 Kings 17.1. Now, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, and this is one of the things that happened in his life, one of the stories. It says, Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was king at that time of Israel. He said, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So God had given Elijah uh, great power and authority. 
even to declare when there would be a famine or not. And so because Israel had turned from God, the king had turned from God, all of that, he, he spoke this word to him. He said, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. That's some power, right? That's some authority right there. So because uh, of that, there was going to be a famine. No rain, no dew. There, there was going to be a famine in the land for several years. I believe it ended up being three years. Verse 2. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. Let me say that again. The word of the Lord came to him. Now, in the New Testament, we get this in the book of James, I believe it is, where it says that Elijah was a human being just like us, who had faults and weaknesses. He, could, he, he didn't hear from God because he was a perfect man. He didn't hear from God because he was perfectly holy. You actually see that if you read his whole life. It's not because he had... Uh, you know, some great holiness about his life and he could hear from God. What Elijah had in the Old Testament and what men like he and Moses had in the Old Testament, what uh, he and men like Abraham had in the Old Testament, every believer has in the New Testament. This is one of the greatest truths of the New Testament. Every single believer, every person who's ever been saved and born again has a measure of the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of them. And you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means God lives in you. Elijah, the, thing, the, the standing that he had before God, the standing that Moses had before God, the standing that Abraham had before God, to a measure, was based on their own righteousness, their ability to follow the law. And then, and then in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he's talking about John the Baptist, and he says, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet to ever live, greater than Elijah. Said, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet ever to live, and he said, yet, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because those who are in the kingdom, that'd be me and you, right? those who were saved under the name and the authority of Jesus, we have a higher standing with God than John the Baptist. Even though John the Baptist was the greatest prophet in all of the Old Testament, John the Baptist was greater than Elijah, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, all of the prophets. He says the least person in the kingdom of God. How, how, how many of you raise your hand and say, that might be me. I might be least. Things that's been going on in my life, and I might be the least. Well, he said the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Do you know why? Because you're right standing with God, your position before God is not based on your own righteousness. It's based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of that righteousness that you have in Christ, you have a higher standing with God than John the Baptist had. Okay, that's, that's not my sermon this morning. I just want you to understand the way these men connected with God. You have more of an open door to communicate with God. And to be in the presence of God. And to have a, a genuine relationship with God. Not just a distant, you know, come to church, hear about God, maybe sing about God. But a daily communion with God. And Jesus said this in the book of Revelation. He said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about the door of your heart. Of every person's heart. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door and let me in. He said, I will come in and commune with them and they with me. That's the relationship that God wants to have with you. And it's available for every believer. And I know that for me, 
I've come many, many, many times in my life where the only path that I can see forward is to hear from God. The only path I can see forward is to hear from God and have God say to me, you need to do this or go this, this direction. For a lot of people, they, they wish they could have that, and they, they arrive at that place. You, you know the place I'm talking about. But, and, and so we all have the things that we do when we get to that place. We go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go research on the Internet, and I'm going to see if I can figure it out, and I'm going to weigh my options, and I'm going to write everything down and do a cost-benefit analysis. And if I can't figure it out, then I'm going to go find this friend. They're just super wise, and I'm going to talk it through with them, and they're going to give me advice and counsel. Or maybe for some of you, it's a, you, know, you have a close relationship with your parents, and you call your mom or your dad, and you talk it through, and... And you go, you know, you get to that place and you have all these ways that you're kind of scraping and trying to figure out, what do I do from here? How do I go forward? I don't know what to do. You know, maybe you meet with your pastor. You go, that's it. I'll go meet with the pastor. Maybe he can tell me what to do. But listen, God knows exactly what you should do. And you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. John even said this in 1 John. He said, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you have no need that any man should teach you. Doesn't mean we can't get value from other people in our life. Of course, we can, and it's a value to be teaching, but he's making the point. You have the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the one who knows everything, the one who knows the future to guide, and that's his job. Go read the, the Gospel of John. He said, the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit is coming after me. And he said, he's, he's greater than me because he can be with everybody at once. And he said, his job is to teach you, to guide you, to comfort you, to reveal the future to you. That is his job. Now, I'm not saying it's easy because, like I said, we have the flesh loud and clear and we haven't learned to listen to our spirits. But I'm going to tell you, it, it's, it's possible for every believer. How much better when you arrive at that place in your life than to go ask so-and-so and get their opinion. And there's a million voices out there. But Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. In other words, my sheep can hear my voice. They know when I'm speaking and when I'm leading. Sometimes it's just a feeling in your heart. Sometimes it's just a, a peace that this is what I should do. Or it's like, a, like gritty sandpaper. You go, mm, that ain't that ain't right. And that's not my purpose this morning to teach us how to hear from God exactly. What I want to talk to you about this morning is getting putting putting yourself in a position where you can hear from God. And fasting will help you do that. Fasting will help you do that. So verse 2, going back to 1 Kings 17, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. Pay close attention to the type of instruction that he got for God. Now, I want you to understand a few things. This instruction that he got from God, it wasn't for the nation, it wasn't for the church, it wasn't for a group. This was just specifically for Elijah. This was one person. Why does that matter? Because a lot of times when we think about the prophets hearing from God, it's like, well, yeah, God's given them a word because he's going to speak to the whole nation. He's got a word for the nation or a word for the church or a word for the children of Israel. Not this time. Word of the Lord came, and he just, just simple communication directly to Elijah for his own life and for his own personal sustenance and provision. He said, depart from here, turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You're going to see why in just a minute. 
But notice the spe- how specific this is. Depart from, he- depart from here and turn to the east. Okay? So he gives him specific instructions. When to leave, where to go. And then he says, and hide yourself by the brook, Cherith. And I, I, I correlate this with fasting because fasting is like this. Fasting is a time of hiding. It's a time to pull away, to hide yourself from, from the busyness, to hide yourself from a lot of the things that are going on, to pull away and to be alone with God. And, and he told Elijah, pull away, go hide yourself by the brook Cherith. And get alone with me. Now why are many not willing to do this? Many in this room have never done this. Never taken time to pull away and be alone with God. Never, never interrupted their schedule, their life. Interrupted their day-to-day uh, routines of the way, the way things are going. To get alone, pull aside and be alone with God. If you're part of this church, you've been a part of this church for a while, every year we do, we do this for 21 days. And I've encouraged you, I've taught on it as much as I can to encourage you to pull away, get along with God. It will change your life. But still, many have never done it and many never will. Why? Well, I think, first of all, that they don't know the true value of it. I don't think many understand and know the true value that could be added to your life by pulling away and getting alone with God. Do you understand? And this is not think, just something that preachers say. Okay, This is a fact. If you, if you did this and you pulled away and you got alone with God, and that one word from God, one phrase, one little bit of instruction could completely change the course of your life. And I know this because I've had it happen in my own life multiple times where God spoke to me about things in my life that were crucial and significant, uh, things about my future, things about the ministry, things about my, my future wife at the time. So that sounded weird when I said future wife at the time. She's still my wife. What I meant was we weren't married at the time, and she was just my girlfriend at the time. So we're still married 20 years this year. Praise God. Um, but many don't know the value of it because they've never had it. They've never experienced But I'm going to tell you, I have, I have received things from God, some of them 25 years ago, that are still directing my life today. Because I, I found out when I was a teenager that I was called to be a pastor. That was a word from God. That was a time of being alone with God and, and, and receiving direction about the future of my life. And so you can hear things f- about your kids. God will lead you, guide you, and instruct you. But many don't know the, the value of it. Others don't have the patience or the self-discipline. They're so used to being ruled by their flesh, and if they don't get a result within the first hour or the first day or the first three days, then they, you know, this ain't working. They're going back. Well, guess what? God doesn't work on your timetable. And I'm going to tell you what I've learned about God, and I hate this for a lot of people because a lot of people don't uh, have the patience to do this and stick with it, but this is what I've learned about God. Uh, Those who seek Him diligently will find Him. 
And this is over and over through the scripture. He says, when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Not half, not three-quarter, not let me give this a try. Oh, not let me just throw a little token to God and, and see what happens. No, God, let me tell you, God's not going to, God deserves your full service, attention, allegiance, worship. He's not going to bow to your way of doing it. You're not, you're not going to switch the tables and go, well, God, you know, if you do this, this, and this, I'll do it. It doesn't work like that. He created you. He created the universe. He doesn't bow to you. You bow to him. And so if you come and you go, well, yeah, I'm going to try this for three, and then it don't work. Listen, you, you're not going to get it like that. The Bible says, when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And so I found in fasting that when you pull aside and you humble yourself before God and you say, you are the creator, I am the created, and you deserve my worship and my service and my life uh, and my allegiance, and I bow before you and I'm dedicating this time to you for this amount of time, I'm going to do this and I'm going to seek you, God will show up and you will encounter God. But if you don't approach it that way, and, and some have, some half-hearted did it and they didn't get any results and they go, well, we tried that fasting thing and it doesn't work. Well, I'm telling you that if you approach it in the right way, it will work and you will encounter God because God's not hiding himself from anyone. But the Bible does say that for those who draw near to me, I will draw near to them. So as you pull aside and you, and you go after God, you'll experience him. But many don't know the value of it and many don't have the patience or the self-discipline to follow through and do it. And others still are too busy and consumed with unimportant things to pull aside and seek God. Now, ha m most of you would agree with what I'm about to say in theory and in your mind. But let me just tell you, there is nothing that you are doing that is more important than seeking God. Not your job, not your business, not your hobbies. There is not a single thing in your life that you are doing that is more important than your relationship with God. And so when we say we're too busy, many times I would go, yeah, that's right. You are too busy. That's the problem. You're too busy. We are too busy many times doing frivolous things that do not matter. They will not matter in a decade. They will not matter in 20 years. And they so certainly won't matter in eternity. We're too busy doing things, distracted, filling our time, feeding our flesh, when really what we need to be doing is pulling aside and putting first things first and making God and our relationship with God a priority in our lives. And if, you, and if you don't do that, just what I've seen, if you don't do that, again, it's because you don't know the true value of it. You have all these other things you're doing, you see the value in that, but you don't see the value of getting alone with God. But if you do it, you'll experience God in a way you never have. And I won't have to explain the value of it, you'll experience the value of it. So going back to 1 Kings 17, uh, verse 2, or verse 3, he said, Depart from here, turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. Verse 4, You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
So basically this instruction comes to Isaiah. There's going to be Elijah. There's going to be this famine. And he's, he gives him the specific instruction. He says, go to the brook. Hide there. And he says, I've given, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so he drinks from the brook. And then every day these ravens come and they bring him, they bring him food. It was a supernatural experience. But notice that this supernatural experience, this supernatural provision was tied to a specific location and, in, and specific instruction. Now, if you've read the Bible, you know what I'm about to say is true. Elijah was not free to go down to, you know, just Indian Creek and, and, just, and just hang out and try to find food there or wherever he was comfortable with. He had a specific location. He said, go to the brook Cherith for there. Everybody say there. there. For there I have commanded the ravens to feed you. So he wasn't just free to go anywhere. But that's how most people operate with God. Think about it. Most people operate that way with God. They say, oh, God will take care of me. Whatever, God, God will take care of me, whatever I do. You know, oh, we're just going to pray and, but that God will take care of it. Well, a lot, what if Elijah had done that? He's like, I'm not going to the brook chairs. I don't want to go to the brook chairs. I, I like this other place better. I got a little cabin over there. That one would be a lot more comfortable. He says, I'm going over here. And, I, you know, God will take care of me. That's not how he received specific instruction about a specific location about what was going to happen there. And what I'm telling you is that there are things like this in our life where we need to hear from God. I had a pastor tell me one time when we were getting ready to start this church, uh, you know, we prayed about where we were supposed to pastor and, and where God wanted us to plant the church. And we, you know, as Jen and I prayed together, we felt like God called us to Alexandria to, to plant the church here in Alexandria. And when I was talking to this other pastor, he said, yeah, you could do that. He said, but really, he said, you could go anywhere. You know, he said, you, you got to call God on your life to pastor. He said, you could, uh, you could really go anywhere you want and God, and God would work with you. And I'm like, what? That's not how I think. That's not what I see in Scripture. I don't believe I was just free to go do anywhere. I mean, God has a plan. He has a purpose. And He has specific things uh, designated for our life. And I don't believe I'm just free to go do whatever I want and it's going to be a blessing over here or a blessing over there or it's going to be all the same. No, it matters. It matters where you go. It matters where you work. It matters who you marry. It matters where you live. And God has all of those things for your life. And what I'm telling you is that he'll lead you into that. And so I, Elijah was not just free to go wherever he wanted. God gave him specific instruction. Go here, do this. We see other places in Scripture where people receive specific instruction and they violated it. Y'all remember when Moses struck the rock with the rod and God had told him to speak to it? That was a big problem in his life. He ended up missing out on the promised land for that. If you don't know that story, there's a lot more information there. But God gave him specific instruction, and he violated it. It cost him a lot. And there's a lot of examples like that in Scripture. So Elijah needed this specific instruction. He got it, and he followed it. Really, you could say it this way. His life depended on that instruction because it was in a famine. And lots of people, if you keep reading 1 Kings 17, you read that a lot of people were dying. I'm pretty sure it's 1 Kings 17, if I remember right, where it was two mothers talking about figuring out whose kid they were going to boil first and eat. I know that, but that's how bad it got. The Bible has a lot of stories that don't ever get preached. You know, I don't think anybody's preaching on that story very often, but anyway, it's in there. So things got bad. 
you could say his life depended on that instruction because he, he needed supernatural provision to survive. So I, I would really say that if things are going to go correctly in our life, learning to heal, hear from God, developing the skill to hear from God is really not optional, but we treat it many times like it's optional. It's not optional. Verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. And bread in and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. I'm thinking Elijah probably put on a few pounds during this time. He, he was just sitting there not having... He's probably used to having to work for his food. You know, he's just sitting there, relaxing in a lawn chair. Raven's bringing him bread and meat. Probably unlimited, like a buffet. Bringing him all this food. That's not in the scripture. I, I just made that part up. But, but man, what a, what a supernatural miracle. You know, bringing, birds bringing you bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. This was a supernatural experience. Now... In this case, God was bringing him physical provision and physical sustenance, but many of us, that's not what you need, particularly. That part's taken care of, right? You got food on the table, food in the fridge. You got the natural provision that you need, but if you don't, God can take care of that too. But I think for most of us, we need a different kind of provision from God. We need a different kind of sustenance from God. And he'll bring you that sustenance as well. You know... God is the source of Zoe life. And there are so many believers that feel empty and disconnected from God. And what I want you to make, the connection I want you to make, is the same way that God provided physical provision for Elijah morning, evening. He can be the source of Zoe life for you as well on a daily basis. This is why Jesus prayed. He said, give us this day our daily bread. He was making the connection to stories like this. When God brought manna to the children of Israel, God brought food to Elijah on a daily basis providing for him. Jesus was praying. He said, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, that, that connection with you that I have to have in order to survive. That connection with you that I have to have in order to feel alive spiritually. He'll be that source for you and that daily sustenance for you. So many of us don't need that physical part. We've got that. But what we need is we need that source of Zoe life in our lives. Now, one thing I want you to know and realize is that the brook, the brook Cherith, it was not actually his source. God was his source, but he was using the brook as just one channel in his life. And sometimes what happens is uh, sometimes the channel changes, doesn't it? Actually, it happened for him. Verse 7. It says, And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So God had sent him here. He was there for a while. He was getting water. He was getting bread. He was getting food. One day, the brook dried up. And Elijah had to know the brook is not my source. God is my source. And now God may use different channels in my life, but the source never changes. So he was staying connected to God. So when the source dried up, it didn't matter because God had a... When the channel dried up, it didn't matter because God had another channel already available, already waiting on him. And this is another reason why we have to stay close to God. 
Because if the, <clears throat> praise God, he could hear him three years ago that he needed to go to Brook Church, but what if he got, what if he did get a little lazy and chubby, you know, while he was sitting over there and just not praying, and he got, and now the brook dries up and he can't hear from God. Now the brook's gone. Now what? Well, he needs another instruction. He needs more direction from God. And if he can't hear it, then he's not going to get it. But look, verse 7, it says, After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him. Again, Elijah's in a place where he can hear from God. He gets another instruction from the Lord. It says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, because, behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he's got another source, another channel of provision set up for Elijah. And, and we could just keep following his life and we would see this. And you could follow many people in the scriptures and you would see this where God speaks, they follow and obey, then there comes time for a change, there comes time for a shift, there comes time for an adjustment, and they're in a place where they can hear from God and make that adjustment when they need to. What about you? What about you? Are you in a place where you can hear from God? Are you in a place where when you need instruction and there's a change coming or there's a decision needing to be made, can you hear from God? Because I want to tell you again, Elijah was not special in that regard. Okay? Just like God had a plan for Elijah's life, he has a plan for you and for your children and for your family. And so we have to be able to hear from God. After a while... It says the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And sometimes when people are used to receiving uh, provision and, and sustenance from one source, and then that dries up, they don't know what to do. Because they haven't learned that God is the source. See, one channel is there providing that. That dries up, and they don't know how to contact. They're not in contact with the source that can bring them provision in any circumstance, in any situation. Hey, I think this happened in COVID a little bit in a lot of different ways. You know, stuff was going on with COVID and a lot of, a lot of ways that people were used to being provided for and taken care of. They dried up. People lost jobs, couldn't get certain things you needed from the grocery store. So all of that was going on. But I'm thinking more of from a spiritual standpoint, a lot of church people were used to receiving sustenance or, or provision, nourishment, spiritual nourishment by coming to church, right? Coming to church, getting worship, getting, getting a, a good sermon from your pastor, you know, and that, and that being a level of provision in your life. And then what happened in 2020? Some of that dried up, didn't it? Some of the, so that, that channel dried up. And I remember uh, before 2020 even happened, I remember talking to our church, preaching to our church, saying, hey, you can't be dependent on any man or even any church for your spiritual provision and spiritual sustenance. You have to be a person that knows how to get fed directly from God. What happens if your church goes away? What happens if, those, if, that, if that channel dries up? You got to know how to go directly to the source. And as things change in our nation, this is, this is important for us to be aware of. Because in the parable of the ten virgins in the book of Matthew, you remember there were ten virgins. All of them had oil uh, for their lamps. But 
five of them, they, their oil ran out. And you know what they did? They tried to turn to the, the five that had enough. They tried to turn to them and say, hey, could you give us some of your oil? And they said, we don't have enough. You're going to have to get your own. In other words, you're going to have to figure out how to go to the source. I can't give you any of mine. I don't have enough to give. I've only got just enough for me. You're going to have to figure out how to go directly to the source and get your own oil. Now, how many know Jesus wasn't talking about lamps and oil? He, he was talking about a greater spiritual principle. And I've, I've seen this in the church world where when things like, well, you know, COVID was a, kind of a unique situation. But when things, things can happen like that where p believers are used to getting help and oil from other believers and being around other believers in church and life groups, and, and you're, but they don't know how to go straight to God and get that oil. They don't know how to have their own prayer life, their own Bible study, their own worship. And if there's not a worship band leading or there's not somebody teaching them the scripture, the, you know, they don't really have a relationship with God. Amen. But I think we're coming into a day where this is going to be even more and more important. It's already important now where you have to know, every believer has to know how to go directly to God for the spiritual sustenance and nourishment that they need. You can't always depend on another person or even your church for that. You have to be what I like to call a self-feeder. Somebody that feeds themselves, knows how to feed their spirit and feed themselves. And in, in, in 2020 and 2021, boy, I'm telling you, pastoring became difficult because people were grasping. I had more phone calls. We had more meetings set up, more counseling meetings. Help us, Lord, this is falling apart. Because a few little things changed, that, that chant, that brook dried up, and people didn't know how to get it from somewhere else. And it, and it began to cost them and hurt them. And the lesson I'm trying to get to you from this is, Elijah, you'll notice, when one thing dried up, because he was connected to the source, it didn't matter, the Lord just provided a new way for him to be, for him to be fed. And he wasn't tied to that channel. So... It all comes from one source, but he'll use a bunch of different channels in our life to, to get it to us. You know, people experience this sometime with a job. They lose a job, and they go, oh, my God, you know, the money's dried up. Well, but you're connected to the source. That was just a channel that he's using in your life. He'll provide another channel. You're connected to the source. But that's a mentality that we have to develop. So... Notice in both of these cases, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and what was tied to that word was specific instruction about how he was going to be provided for. Now, fasting can help expedite this process in our life of getting close to God and getting in a place where we can hear from God. It can speed that process up. Okay, it can, it, it's like a crash, kind of a crash course in, in getting close to God. Whereas, you know, if you start trying to pray, start trying to read your Bible, maybe 10 minutes a day, you know, over some months, you'll see a progress, you'll see a change. But, but fasting can expedite this. Fasting can supercharge this whole process. You can go from being someone that isn't very close to God, doesn't know how to hear from God, in a period of 21 days... By the end of that 21 days, you will see, if you do it right, you will see significant changes in your life. But you have to put in the work. You can't do it half-hearted. You can't half-do it. 
You, but, it, but if you do it right, in just three weeks, you will see significant changes in your relationship with God. Hebrews 12.9 says, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 12.11 it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And this is the mentality, basically, of fasting that we have to have is, of course, it seems painful rather than pleasant, but it's going to yield fruit that can only, uh, we can only get through processes like fasting. Now, I want to give you some practical uh, tips on fasting, just some, some practical things to think about if you're going to be participating in the fast. Number one is, it's not about purposeless suffering. Okay, it's not about just making yourself suffer. I've talked to some church members from time to time where people are talking about their fast and like, oh man, I'm, I'm going hardcore this year. I mean, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to suffer. I'm not eating any food, you know, for a week. And uh, half the time people do that, they, they don't make it just a couple days anyway, cause, and then you fall off the wagon. It's not about purposeless suffering. Okay? It's not just about making yourself suffer. If you're that kind of person, you know, I just want to make it really hard, like a challenge. It's not really the point. Okay, the point is that you're going to weaken your flesh, and you're going to strengthen your spirit, and you need to do things that are going to accomplish that. Okay, um, if maybe what you need to do is cut out a few things in your diet, change a few things. Maybe what you need to do is fast lunch every day. You, you, there's a lot of ways to change your, your diet or, or focus on God. Maybe you don't need to go super hardcore in that way. But what I want to encourage you to do is just do what needs to be done to accomplish this process. Okay, it's not about comparing yourself to someone else or there being this idea of what you think needs to happen, uh, what you're trying to accomplish is making your flesh uh, quiet and submissive and learning that it doesn't get every little thing that it wants and it's not in control. And instead of pleasing you, serving, serving the flesh, pleasing the flesh, yielding to your every little whimper and cry, instead of doing that, I'm going to serve the spiritual side, and I'm going to bless it. So instead, for example, when, you're, when your flesh says, I'm hungry, feed me lunch, you might say, not today. Today, instead of that, we're going to give you, we're going to go, we're going to go feed on the Word of God. We're going to spend time with God and worship. Maybe you're going to go out to your car if you're at work during lunch, and you're going to spend time praying, and your flesh is going to suffer, but your spirit is going to rise and be strengthened. So, you need to do what needs to be done, and, and hopefully most of us have an idea of what things need to change in our life. I think food is one element, but it's only one element. I think for uh, most people for our day and age that we live in, modern culture, I think there's a lot of other things that should be considered, and, and quite frankly, that are probably hurting us worse than food. And that would, we, would, we would get more benefit from if we would fast some of these other things as well. I think you should do food. But in addition to that, I think we should consider things like technology, phones, iPads, social media, video games, TV, certain hobbies. 
I think these things should be considered as well because basically these things are taking time that you're going to stop giving and investing so much time into those things and you're going to invest those things into spiritual things. Uh, every year, I, every year I hear from people that go completely, you know, no social media or after four every day, no phone, no, no tablet. Every year I hear from people about, wow, just like a detox just, man, just detoxing from the things of this world, detoxing from your mind, just being preoccupied constantly with other things. Um, and, and when you cut those things out, you'll be amazed at how your mind can begin to focus on the things of God. You're not so distracted with TikTok and scrolling and Instagram, and you get your mind off of those things, and you just are free to think about the things of God and spend time with Him. You'll be amazed at how that changes your life. For fasting, a lot of times people incorporate exercise as well. You know, wanting to start maybe some sort of physical routine, that certainly would, would play a part, could play a part. Um, keep in mind with fasting, it's not all about what you take away. You know, you just focus on, well, I'm stopping doing this, taking away this, not doing this. Okay, but the other side of it has to be, what are you going to add? So you're going to take away all of these things, fine. But how are you going to change your prayer life? Are you going to add time to your prayer life? Or, or how are you going to change your Bible reading, your devotional time? How are you going to add, what are you going to add to your life in addition to what are you going to take away? Because I think if you just take away stuff, you're missing the point. You have to take away, yes, but then you have to replace with other things that are going to be beneficial for your spiritual life. I highly, highly, highly encourage that you keep a journal of some kind. It can be a physical journal, it could be on your phone or iPad, but I encourage you to keep a daily journal for the 21 days of what you're doing, what you're praying, what you're reading, what God is speaking to you during those 21 days. Now, I personally believe that God is gonna speak to me during these 21 days. As I've been doing this for, gosh, two decades, and every year, I expect God to speak to me about my year. There are things that God will speak in this fast that will direct the course of my year all year. So if I'm expecting God to speak, then I bring a, I bring a journal so that I can write those things down. First of all, I don't trust my own memory. But, but secondly, we're talking about the God of the universe speaking, and I think it's a matter of respect and priority to say, I'm going to write down what you say because it's important to me. So I write those things down, but also because I'm going to go back and revisit them throughout the year. You know, as I, in three months, four, I'm going to go back and reread what God spoke to me in the beginning of the year in a time of prayer and fasting because sometimes after you come off the fast, things can get fuzzy, things can get... You can forget, what, what, wait, what am I supposed to be doing? I've lost track. I'm not praying as much. What happened? Well, now you go back and read when you were hearing clearly and you got some clear direction. You can go back and reread and go, oh, this is, this is the focus. This is where I'm supposed to be focusing. This is the direction for my year. So I highly encourage you to keep a journal. To be honest with you, I go back and read my journal from the fast sometimes two and three years back because Sometimes the things that God's speaking to me is not just in one year. It's, it's two to three years of things that God has been speaking and communicating. So I encourage you to keep a journal. Go back and revisit it 
throughout the year. And finally, uh, I encourage you to come to the prayer nights on Wednesday. Come to the prayer nights, pray with us, let God, let God speak to you. Wednesdays at 6, be in His presence as part of the fast. Uh, oh yeah, also one other thing, I do highly encourage that everyone that can do this as a family. Uh, we've done this as a family, not just Jen and I. We, our kids have always participated. We usually let them pick what they're going to do so that it's not just us, you know, putting that on them. We want them to make their own decisions and think about it. We, we encourage them to think about certain things. And, you know, if they are just completely slacking off, you know, yeah, we will. I think you need to add this or think about this. But mostly we let them uh pick but they've always participated they don't do what we do they do their own you know they do their own thing we we each have our own thing that we're doing but i encourage you to get them in a habit of doing this how many of you think that uh some of our youth could benefit from from learning to say no to a certain to certain things uh learning to control their phone addictions and social media and things like that they uh they need it you know at camp every year we're only there for five days at camp every year, they, have to, they can't bring their phones. And I can tell you, they grump about it and, and complain about it in the beginning. But almost without fail, by the end of the week, if you go around talking to kids, almost everyone will say something like this. They'll say, man, I wish we never had to go back to phones. I wish we never had them in our life. I wish I never had to look at social media again. Because just in five days, they've realized how free they are without it. So... I encourage you to do that, participate in that, have your kids participate in it, and I believe you'll be blessed by it. Amen.